What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 19 of season two. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it is your boy, Bruno Dangerous, the double album. Because much like Morgan Wallen's masterpiece, we both had a birthday last Friday. Fucking fantastic if you haven't listened to it. It was, first things first, happy birthday to Bruno. Everybody, happy birthday to Bruno. (laughs) Thank you, my guy. Thank you. I meant to get around to making a graphic, but I simply forgot. (laughs) Um, But shout out, both Bruno and I are Capricorns. Oh, Because Kurt's birthday, me speaking the third person, is Mm. 16th. Mm. And Bruno, like you said, came out the day Morgan Wallen decides to just unleash 30 songs. I mean, we've heard some of them, but still. Yeah, it was like 22 or 24 new songs. Bro, let's get back to these albums that are fucking thick albums. Like, I, I don't know what these albums where it's like someone, an artist will release like a 10 song album, but like five of the songs you've already heard. So it's only five new songs. Morgan Wallen, but a trans revolutionized the music industry. And I'm here for it. Yeah, that was wild. Obviously, Bruno and I are big country music fans. Bruno is a, a big music fan. Like, I, it's people who know me know that I talk about new music Friday. Well, let me, let me introduce you to the man who introduced me to new music Friday. <laughs> my and favorite thing, my favorite thing, Kurt is when we're both up late Thursday night. Cause it's really midnight. Well, I guess that is Friday, but it's really like midnight when all the new stuff comes out. I just love, like, I love it. it my favorite thing is when we're texting at like 2 AM and it's just, it's not the you up or other scandalous texts. Other people have, it's like, yo, new music Friday, where you at? Yeah, uh, again, for those who don't know, Bruno is up very late, and sometimes <laughs> I'm up late too. And um, yeah, we just we on Thursday nights or technically Friday mornings, we're gonna we're gonna talk some 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 music. We're gonna talk some music. Oh yeah, so but that is today, our yes. Oh oh, what a segue, Kurt. Let's go. Starting off hot. I was getting there. I was getting there. The segue was today. We're gonna talk about what the NFL like to call soup. Wild card weekend. Soup. I don't know why they. I don't. Soup doop. I don't know why they put super in front of it. I don't. They were really emphasizing that. Yeah. But it's the NFL. They do some weird things. Yeah. But Bruno, without any further ado, let's Mm -hmm. get into this. Let's get into this real quick, okay? Mm -hmm. We start up in Buffalo, Bruno, where the Colts went to take on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. This game. Ended up being a fantastic one early on in the slate of games that we were able to see this weekend. Ultimately, the Bills come away 27-24. Bills win their first playoff game since 1995. You know all that mumbo-jumbo. But what was your takeaway, Bruno? Were you more impressed with the way the Bills were able to finish the deal and and win the game? Or were you more impressed with the Colts making it competitive? Because for a, a bit there, it looked like Buffalo could start to run away with it. I'm so I'm glad you brought that up. I'm more impressed with the Colts, to be honest. Um, I think sometimes like you could look at this game out of context and be like the Bills probably should have won by more. And that's like a fair take to have. Right. But then you factor in how, you know, the Bills don't always make playoffs every year. They have heightened expectations. People were talking about how, you know, they're going to stand up to the Chiefs and the AFC championship game. And so like everybody's overlooking the first game. And, you know, there's such a thing as playoff jitters. You know, not a lot of the the guys on the Bills are, are veterans. So I guess in hindsight, you know, we always say hi, even my hindsight's 2020. I guess it's easy, it's easy to see like why the Bills maybe didn't have like the most dominant game, the ones we were used to seeing the last part of the regular season. But I am impressed with the Colts. I'm not going to lie. The the Bills went up 24 to 10 in the fourth quarter. That could have easily been it. 
And then, you know, Philip Rivers said, you know, hey, we don't know what his status is moving forward, whether he's playing, whether it's on the Colts or somewhere else or whatever. But he said, hey, I don't want to go out in just an absolute blow up fashion. So he did his part to bring bring it, uh, bring it, try to bring it home. And in classic Philip Rivers fashion, one score game driving late in the fourth quarter, as we're so used to seeing Philip Rivers do. And what we're also used to seeing is him not being able to get them over the finish line. So sadly, he wasn't able to finish it. But I, I was just impressed that the Colts, you know, again, like, they probably had play up to their suit, to be completely honest. But just the fact that they battled back and didn't just let it slide into a blowout in the fourth quarter. Yeah, no doubt about that, Bruno. So I think that, I think for me too, I'm more impressed with the Colts as well. Um, first things first, I want to talk about the Bills. I think I thought that they performed about how they have all season. They're the two seed in the AFC. They're 13 and three. They're now 14 and three. Um, but, you know, I've come to expect the Bills to, to, put a good product out on the field. I think Coach McDermott is a very good coach. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen, we talk about all the time, making that leap. Josh Allen was good in this game. He had a he had a, a unbelievable play at the goal line where it looked like a quarterback draw. It might have been RPO. And they ended up like, as he was being tackled, like flipping the ball into the end zone. you got to be strong to mm -hmm. do that. So Josh Allen is what Josh Allen is. He was impressive. But the resolve that the Colts showed, they they got their backs up against the wall a couple times. Um and they, they kept fighting. I think that so much of this game, Frank Reich uh, kind of screwed them early in the game. They went for it on a fourth and five yeah. down in the down in the um, the red zone when they could have just taken the points. And Bruno, the game was only a three-point game, so yeah. three points could have been pretty helpful. Yeah. But, I mean, they kept battling back. They kept battling back. It looked they were they were done, and then... Philip Rivers leads a touchdown drive like a minute and a half, and then the next one's like a two-minute touchdown drive, exactly what the doctor ordered late in the mm -hmm. game for them. Um, but ultimately, in the end, it was just not enough. I will say this. Obviously, I'm very impressed by Jonathan Taylor. I think he's a phenomenal yep. back. Michael Pittman Jr., that boy can play, that receiver mm -hmm. from USC. Um, so great pick by the Colts there, too. The Colts are, have a bright future. They really, really do. Um, it's so interesting to me watching the Colts play because of the way that they use their tight ends. And then I watched Patriots game. Oh it's like, you don't need a tight end because we <laughs> just don't throw to them. Um, so it's just, it was like, wow, look how incorporated these tight ends were. Like Doyle had seven receptions for 70 yards. Uh, Burton had three receptions for 34 yards. Mo Ali Cox, four for 32. Like that might be more production than our tight ends all season. I'm not I lying. I think it definitely is, to be yeah, completely so, honest. <laughs> I mean, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, but I was impressed with the Colts. I Buffalo was fine, um, but I'm not going to get into it. But they're they're favored in their next matchup this week, Bruno, but only by two and a half points, and they're the home team. So we talk all the time about the home team getting three points. Right. So on a neutral field, the team they're playing, we will get there. You know, betters would, would say that if it was on a neutral field, their opponent would win. So... I think a little more is left to be desired from Buffalo. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to step it up moving forward. I'm willing to overlook this for, you know, this game being, again, their first playoff game, some playoff jitters, you know, expectations, whatever. But they're going to need to definitely step it up if they want to stay alive in the postseason. I have two other smaller points about this game. Not we don't need to spend forever on them, but just two other quick things. One, did you see that, like, non-fumble but fumble call at the end of the game? That was crazy. Zach Pascal, I think it was, on the Colts, yep. like, caught the ball. And it was when they were driving. It was at the end of the game. They are down three, and they are driving to try to get in field goal range or even score a touchdown. But he caught the ball, went down, wasn't touched, got back up on his own. But because he got back on his own and kept fighting, 
it seemed pretty clear that they he ended up fumbling the ball because his knee wasn't touching the ground at the time of the fumble and he wasn't like he wasn't being touched by a defender either and so that was a crazy situation where like it, at first it was like oh he was down but then as they talked about it it was like oh he was not down but then they ended up ruling that it wasn't a fumble and gave the colts back if the bills had lost because of that call i mean i guess you can't say directly but if that had led to the colts winning that would have been why like bills fans would have literally stormed the united states like we're, uh, obviously a lot of serious events going on bills fans would have been very very bad the other thing i'll say is that did you notice at the end of the game they didn't put Percent, our boy Jacoby Percent, to do the hail mary at the end of the game. Philip Rivers' pass like didn't even make it to the end zone. So I was just, I was, I don't know if that was like he's going to retire, so we'll give him one last pass. I don't know what was going on, but I was like, hey guys, I mean, you have Jacoby Percent. Yeah. So going off both those points, that was a hundred percent a fumble. I don't know how the yeah, I don't know how I don't know how the refs let that happen. I think because the ruling on the field was, wait, they ruled it a fumble, didn't they? No, no, they ruled him down by contact. Right. That's what. So they said there wasn't like um, indisputable evidence. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word yeah. indisputable evidence. Yeah. So I don't know. That was just a trash call, and I was I was thinking the same thing. I was like, God damn, if the Bills lose this game on this, because that was late <laughs> in the game. I was like, they're yeah. gonna burn the city of Buffalo to the ground. Yep. Um, and then yes, the hail mary at the end was bad. We talk all the time on this podcast about how Cam Newton looks violent when he throws. Philip Rivers looks like an 80-year-old man when he throws. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of flails and uh, hope it goes in the right direction. Oh, God, dude. I I don't know. If yeah. he wants to come back next year, I could see him I could see him in Indy or somewhere else, I guess. But I don't know. I'd, yeah. I'd want to move in another direction. I don't, yep. I don't think he's it right now. Nope. Um, are you all sat on that game, Bruno? Oh, yeah. That was it. That was it. All right. Uh, it was also it for the Seahawks this weekend because Bang. yuck. Yuck, Russell Wilson. Let Russ cook. Well, if he cooked, he'd burn the shit out of whatever you were making. So mm. uh, the Rams go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks 30-20. to 20. Um, The Rams, once again, get better, uh, get the better of their division rival. And, you know, it's a very unfortunate end to Seattle's season, which looked so promising at the start. But ultimately, not a good enough defense. And, and Russell Wilson really de- dropping off in the last seven, eight weeks. Led, led to the demise of the Seahawks. So um, where, what are your initial takeaways from this one, Bruno? So um, if you followed our pick six, Kurt and I both had the Bills in game one. In game two, shout out to Kurt. He picked the Rams, I picked the Seahawks. Kurt you know, uh, knew ahead of time what was going to happen. So some are saying that's cheating. You know, whatever, we'll leave that to the fans to decide. But shout out Kurt for picking this right. I was just very disappointed in the Seahawks. Yes. The Rams have a great defense. That's not something that, you know, they proved it again, obviously, right? Like, we saw it on display, but that's not something we didn't know. But, like, for the Seahawks, like, it just feels like, again, and I know it's not necessarily new. You alluded to this as well. Uh, Russell Wilson was cooking to start the season. Obviously, that pace is unsustainable, and he really came back to earth at the end of the season. But still, you have to expect more than what we got for someone like Russell Wilson. It just feels like when when you're at that level of quarterback, Super Bowl winning, you know, maybe not MVP winning, but like, you know, he's putting up stats year after year, and he has all these weapons, and like, especially DK Metcalf coming out of nowhere. I just felt let down by the Seahawks, especially because how you and I had talked about how they had kind of established themselves as like a Super Bowl favorite. And on top of this, like, Kurt, let's just get right into it, right? The Rams started with John Wolford starting quarterback he had taken most of the reps throughout the week apparently he had been told early on he was going to start they were still trying to wait out and see jared goff they went into the game also which is another weird point with only wolford and jared goff as the quarterbacks and then wolford ends up getting hit pretty early into the game has to leave the game 
scary situation. He had to get taken to the hospital. I think he ended up being all right. But that forced Jared Goff, who, like, again, is, like, less than two weeks out from thumb surgery to play in this game. And not saying he, like, lit it up or anything, but he just the fact that the Seahawks kind of, like, gave that lackluster performance when the Rams had all these stuff going on. Also, Aaron Donald got injured in the second half, and he's, like, one of their biggest playmakers. It just I just felt disappointed in the Seahawks. Like, that's kind of what I came away with. 100% disappointing for the Seahawks. Obviously, John Wolford starts didn't get very far into the game before he gets hurt like you said mentioned uh sent to the hospital then jared goff comes in uh, he was okay he he did his job um right. they didn't ask him to do too much a lot of easy throws a lot of rollouts through a touchdown woohoo great um the real yeah the, real, the rams are what the rams are good defense you know about aaron donald you know about that front seven you know about jalen ramsey okay that's great and you look at seattle there is way too much talent on that team for them to put up like the dud that they put on display this weekend. Right. You look at Russell Wilson. I remember you vividly saying this in the uh, pick six. You're like, I want Russell Wilson in the fourth quarter right. or whoever is playing for the Rams. Ten out of ten times, I'm agreeing with you. Ten out of ten times. I remember I was saying at the end of the pick six, I'm pissed about my picks. I was like, I, you convinced me that it was Seattle and it was Russell Wilson. And it, it should be Seattle and it should be Russell Wilson. Um, but they had been trending in a bat. Uh, take away the Jets game for them late in the season. They were not a good football team. They weren't a good football team. Right. Russell Wilson stats this game. 11 of 27, first of all. Whoa. 11? Uh, like, think about that. Literally 11. 11 completions, 16 incompletions. Threw an interception, had two touchdowns. But, I mean, the game was over. Yeah. Um, right. So, just simply... Not what you're expecting from Russell Wilson. And I, I obviously think Russell Wilson's still a great quarterback. I think he's probably top five-ish in the NFL. Um, but it's at the point now where it's 2021. I don't know exactly what year Russell Wilson came into the league. But we're, we're getting into his prime, later years of his prime. He's been around for a little bit. He's been I know that 2013 he beat the Broncos in a Super Bowl. Or no. Yeah, no. The Seattle won the year before the Patriots. And then they played us in 2014, and we beat Seattle. So Russell Wilson's been around for eight or nine years. Yeah, he was drafted in 2012. I just looked it up while you were talking. Okay. Um, so He's 32. Okay. So, I mean, he's got time. But, like, how mobile. But your point stands. Your yeah, point stands. How mobile is he going to be? And I just think back to Seattle teams. Russell Wilson's been around for 10 years. Seattle has one Super Bowl. They mm, they should have two if they gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch. That's a yeah. different story. But um, I just – I don't know. I They leave a lot to be desired, and that's not something you want to look back on. I remember when I used to be coaching, I used to tell kids, like, don't have any regrets. Like, leave it all out there. I think Russell Wilson and I think Seattle has plenty of regrets at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, if we're if we're going all the way back, like they had all those years where their defense was literally just like the craziest defense of all time. Like it felt like they had all those years. And again, like you said, they they made two Super Bowls, only one one, but it just felt like at the end of the day they could have done so much more. And now again, when we're transitioning, the trend in the NFL has been offense, offense, offense recently, right? And you see Russell Wilson, you see Tyler Lockett, you see DK Metcalf, you even see Chris Carson, all these playmakers. You said it best. They have so much talent offensively that like it's it's borderline unacceptable for them to be doing kind of what they did. Basically, like you said, that second half of the season and then in the playoff game, it's just you, you just expect more. And like maybe that's on us. Maybe we just can't expect that from them. I don't know. But like it's going to be very interesting to see 
what they're going to do moving forward because you can argue like they theoretically shouldn't need that much more on offense moving forward like you could maybe they will drop some more maybe offensive line you could say but like theoretically they don't need a ton right and then, like you mentioned the trend has been lately offense 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 if someone wants to get that message to bill belichick that'd be great <laughs> i second that that'd be fantastic <laughs> uh someone who does not need to worry about more offense 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 is tom brady in the Buccaneers. Bang. bang tom brady brings Tampa Bay to the playoffs for the first time in many, many, many years. Not only does he bring them there, he gets a, he gets a road win in, in game number one. The Buccaneers go to Washington. They beat the Washington football team 31-23. to Bruno, I don't think you'd expect me to use this line, but Tom Brady outdued how outdued? Outdueled um, what was his name? Taylor Heineke? Yep. Taylor Heineke. Um, I'm happy. I'm very happy that the Bucs won. Um, but the story for me in this game is Taylor Heineke's a dude. Like, it could be flash the pan. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be an a NFL starting quarterback for the next eight years. But that dude went up against the GOAT with no, press, with no pressure on him. And he played a really, really, really good ball game. Obviously, you know the weapons Tom Brady has at his disposal or whatever. But Heineke uh, threw for over 300 yards and threw a touchdown. He threw an interception too. But he kept Washington in the game with his legs. He ran a touchdown, too. Um, he just The resolve and the fight from him was really, really impressive. And here's what I'll say. The Buccaneers' offense, they're not going to have problems putting up points. They're, they're not going to do that. Brady was 22 of 40 for 381 yards, including five drops. One, two, three, four, five. Count. We're not Count them. guys. But Count we're not them. them. Five drops by Chris Godwin by himself. Yikes. Okay. Brady threw for 381 with five drops from Chris Godwin in one game. Okay. So that offense has no problems. But my point was, okay, this Buccaneers defense, which everyone talks about being like top of the league, you're going to let Taylor Henneke go out there? Tyler, Taylor, Taylor Henneke? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor. Taylor Henneke go out there. That's my point. I, I, literally someone <laughs> off the street. He was a backup in the XFL. Yeah. And now he's on the biggest stage of his life playing against Tom Brady. And he keeps it a one-score game the entire way. So I, that tells me that the Buccaneers' defense, you know, it has some holes. It's susceptible to some to some issues going forward. And we'll talk about that a little bit when we get into uh, – we'll, we'll preview briefly the other matchups for this upcoming week. But I don't know. I, I Where are you? Where do you lie in this one, Bruno? Are you more impressed with Washington or more impressed with the Bucs? You hit you hit the nail square on the head. I think if you're a Bucks fan, you're happy you got the win. Like you said, they probably should have scored more points without those drops. Even still, almost throwing for 400 yards, it's bananas from Tom Brady. The other part to like about, as if you're a Bucks fan, Leonard Fournette. Yes, you could say a lot of that was their offensive line opening up some big holes. But hey, we we've seen Leonard Fournette struggle to hit the hole in Jacksonville before, so at least he was able to to come up clutch when they needed him today. He had like almost 100 yards. So you're you're happy if you're a Bucks fan, right? You got the win. What you're going to have to hope for is exactly like you said, this is kind of similar to the Bills in that maybe there was some first playoff game jitters because like you, that defense, or at least the defense that they displayed in this game, and this is no slight to the to the football team or to Taylor Heineke, but like that's not going to do it against Saints, against the Packers, against any of these elite, even the Chiefs if they get that far, like that's not going to cut it. So I'm, I'm not sitting here saying they're going to lose 
for sure because of that, but like they're going to have to step it up. It's certainly possible to step it up, but I, I agree. The takeaways are all for Washington. I mean, Taylor Heineke leaving it all in the field. You mentioned he rushed for a touchdown. If you didn't see it, you should look it up because it was a crazy, it was a Superman full dive on the left pylon of the end zone, full extension, a crazy run. That was just indicative of his effort. All-time clip, Kurt, I hope you saw it, of Chase Young running over to Heineke and pointing to the name of the back of the jersey and being like, that's my dude, that's my dude. So, um, I mean, he also had some great, like, actual throws, too. Like, it wasn't all rushing. Like, he he did make some great throws. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're, you brought up an interesting point early on. It's hard to really say, like, is he a franchise quarterback? Is he a starter? Probably not. Like, I, I don't know if you're willing to go that far. Is he making a name for himself? And can he at least, you know, get that backup role and maybe earn a chance of starting in the future? You know, probably, right? Because Oh, yeah. He's he's already... Yeah. I, I think back to, like, people like Brock Osweiler or even someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm like, we ha- you have to tread you have to tread lightly with guys like that because as much as you want to be in the moment, like, there's a reason these guys right. aren't, you know, starters right away. So, um, right. good game for Washington. Yep. 30 seconds or less for you. Are you rooting for the Bucks and Brady or not? <sighs> I mean, I don't know. It almost feels like I'm rooting them until they make the Super Bowl, and then maybe things will change. I don't know if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I I don't want them any success, but like it's different when you're saying like, am I rooting for them like in the NFC? And then I don't know. I mean, well, okay, I take that back. If they're playing the Chiefs, I'm rooting for Brady for sure. If oh, they're playing like yeah. the Bills though, like or the Browns somehow or something like that, like I I would probably be rooting for the other team, but. Kind of, yes, is my cop out answer. Yeah, dude, I don't, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm the biggest Tom Brady stand that there is. And I am so happy for him that he's able to do this. It just, it stings every time. It just, that's what I'm saying. It, it's just, it feels like, how can I be either one or the other of happier side? It's like, right. Brady, for his football career, 100% made the right decision. I mean, even if he was in New England this year, I don't know if New England's a, um, a playoff team. Right. That's how that's how bad right. weapons were at his at his disposal. So if Tom right. Brady looks at himself in the mirror, and he's like, "I'm 43 years old, I'm running out of time. Like I've defied father time for long enough. I want to make the most of my time left in the NFL. Am I going to do it here in New England, or am I going to do it somewhere where I know uh, I can be around a, a gauntlet of these of these skill guys?" And yep. he made the right decision. It just and I'm rooting for him. I am rooting for Tom. But it stings. Like it really, it like hurts every time. And I know you saw it because you liked it on Twitter. <laughs> they posted a, they posted a mic'd up two minute video of Tom Brady. When I tell you that my eyes started to well with tears within the first fifteen seconds of it, he just seems so happy and so relaxed and so calm, and he swears a lot more than I thought. Um, but like, oh, shit. It hurts, Bruno. It hurts. Kurt, I'm I'm really happy that uh, my ex is doing really well. I wish nothing but the best. It's best for my ex. I trust me. I'm not laughing through the pain. I'm not smiling through the tears. I'm just truly happy my ex is doing well. I'm thrilled. You wouldn't want your ex to treat <laughs> his now girlfriend, boyfriend, and bring them back to you. You don't. Want <laughs> well, Kurt, uh, I don't know about that, but yeah, I I, I don't mistake my laughing for uh, I'm not feeling the same way. I'm feeling the, like I. It, it is good to see him doing well, but like you just said, it's a little, a little part of me dies every single time I see another uh, playoff hype video or playoff win video or let LFG from the the GOAT. Right, because those were our videos. Yeah. Those were <laughs> our videos, damn it. Damn it. And they're so good. They're so yeah, good. They are. They are. Right, whatever. 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 Moving.
Whatever. On. Lamar Jackson notches his first career postseason postseason victory, knocking off the Titans twenty to thirteen in Nashville. Okay, Bruno, I'm not going to be this guy, but I am going to be this guy. I said the Ravens were hot. Mm-hmm. I said they were hot. Tennessee did not look good. They did not look good in this game. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this was my least favorite. Man, no. What? This was my bottom two game for me this this yeah. this weekend. Um, Tannehill was meh. Very mediocre stats. And Lamar Jackson really, really played well. They didn't ask him to do a lot in the passing game, but that's smart because at this point, you know what Lamar Jackson is in the passing game, and it's not all that special. So play to your strengths. Um, they ran the ball like crazy. They rushed for 236 yards. Lamar Jackson rushed for 136 of them. So just an incredible game. They completely bottled up Derrick Henry. I have not seen a, a statistic like this from Derrick Henry. I don't. I can't remember the last time. 18 carries for 40 yards, no touchdowns. That when was the last time you saw that, Bruno? I mean, he had like didn't he have 2,000 yards this season? So, Correct. Yeah, that, almost never. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, the the Titans have some nice pieces, but they didn't. It didn't feel like it was all coming together for them this year. Um, and I think it. When I saw, when I saw them go up against a really, really good team, and when they when they played in Green Bay, I was like, this team just doesn't have the chops. And I I thought that I thought that Baltimore was in a perfect spot for them to succeed this off this this postseason, uh, and it and it, it worked in game one. They got down ten nothing early, and I was like, oh shit! I was like, Bruno's right about this in the pick six, and then all of a sudden, the Baltimore turned it on, and they outscored them twenty to three the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh... Again, credit to you. You picked the Ravens. I picked the Titans. You ended up being right. I'm going to try not to be a hater right now. And I fully admit that I might just be a hater. So I'm trying not to be. Maybe I just am. Whatever. But honestly, I did not really come away from this win that impressed with the Ravens. What I will agree with you is their defense played great. It's hard to say, like, like what was up with Derrick Henry. Like, that is that I'm, like, not as sure about, like, Bro, like, I, you didn't seem to have a problem all year rushing. You've already played the Ravens this year, and you, I think he scored the winning rushing touchdown on overtime in that game back in, like, November or whenever that was. So, like, clearly he could do it. So, I don't know what was going on, but, like, that was that was sad. Like, I'm just really disappointed in the, in the Titans, to be completely honest. Like, they had been basically, like, a pretty prolific offensive team all year long. And the problem with the Titans, we had all been saying, is their defense was terrible, right? And honestly... The Ravens only put up 20 points against the Titans' shitty defense, and they were like a 50-yard ridiculous Lamar Jackson scramble, which, again, was impressive. I'm not trying to take say it wasn't impressive. It obviously was impressive, but like that was a ridiculous touchdown, right? And if you, I, I know it's it's kind of stupid to just be like, if you take that away, but like if you know if they could have cleaned up that hole and not allowed that right there, they would have put up even less yards and less points. So again, I, I don't want to be too hypocritical. I said for Washington and for, or sorry, for Tampa Bay and for the Bills that you can kind of excuse, um, you know, first playoff games leading to jitters, especially for Lamar, I'm sure for him and the Ravens in general, the the story has been they can't win in the playoffs. And so he was playing with a monkey on his back and obviously credit to him for, for finally getting that first playoff win. So I, I don't want to say like it can't be improved moving forward, but now that we're at the point where we can at least say the matchup, we'll get into it in a little bit, but they're playing the Bills next. The, the Ravens are going to have to play a lot better against the Bills than they did against the Titans if they want to come away with a win. I agree, Bruno. I agree with everything you just said. Um, I feel like you, at this point, know what Baltimore is. Like, there's, n- there's not any gimmicks or tricks that they can really have. They're going to run the ball effectively. They're going to try to get Lamar in space, and they're going to throw a little bit. And that's what it was. Tennessee did a pretty good job, especially early in the game, uh, slowing them down. 
but they found their groove ultimately when when Tennessee kept giving the ball back to Baltimore. Like that, I, when your when your defense is out on the field over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself in a bad spot. And Tennessee did that mm-hmm. because their offense wasn't doing anything. Derrick Henry's longest run was eight yards. Mm-hmm. He usually gets that on his first carry. So, yeah. just uh, the Ravens move on. The Titan season comes to a close, but not a whole lot to take away from this game. Um, the Patriots beat the Ravens, so by default, are we in the uh, divisional round? I, I find no flaws in that logic. No, me neither. Me either. I like that. <laughs> um, what I don't like is having to watch the Bears play in uh, nice. in the postseason. Luckily, well, it was only for one game because yeah. the Saints beat them 21-9 to down in New Orleans in a game that actually had a little bit more flair than it I, I don't know. In the pick six, I said the this, I said the Bears would cover by a 10, 10 and a half point spread. They mm-hmm. should have. Um, Bruno, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. The yep. the Bears uh, offense just wasn't really doing anything this game. The Saints defense really was impressive. Um, but Nagy dialed up some razzle dazzle. A little yep. uh, a little yep. like Cordero Patterson had the ball and he flipped it back to Mitch Trubisky. Not a, not a flea flicker. It was it was weird. A trick play, obviously. And Trubisky throws an absolute dime, like fifty five yards down the field. I don't remember the name of the receiver. Bruno, do you? Sims or something? It was something. Whims, Mims, Sims. It was something short. Let me. Jim. Jim. It was <laughs> yeah. Whims uh, had the ball literally go right through his hands. Could not have been yeah, a more perfect throw. Uh, yeah. Chicago doesn't score in that drive. I don't think. I don't think they did either. Yeah, so you're talking about a seven-point difference, 21-16, one-score game, blah, blah, blah. Who knows what happens after that. Right. But I don't know. The Bears' defense was okay. I, I really found this game to be incredibly boring. Yeah. Um, I think I was a little bit footballed out at this point on Sunday, and this game just kind of put me on a little snooze, uh, but it got me ready for the final game. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, what is your takeaway from this one, Bruno? Are you, were you a little bit disappointed with the Saints only putting up twenty one? What where where do you go from this? Yeah, I, the Saints sucked, and they're just lucky that the Bears sucked way more. Like that, this was like you hit the nail on the head. This this was uh, a bad game just overall. Probably the worst out of all the out of all six playoff games that we had. Um, the best part it's a very telling when the best part of this game was the fact that we. Had the option of watching it on Nickelodeon, which I did. So Gets very much enjoyed uh, that that part of it. The slime in the end zone was hilarious. Uh, I wouldn't say that Nate Burleson and the crew really... I don't know. I, again, I don't want to be too mean. I don't know if it was they were entertaining or was entertaining watching them. There was a sideline reporter named Lex Lumpkin. I don't know if you saw that, but that's just an absolutely electric name. Uh, we all know what first comes to mind when we hear that. I don't need to say it out loud. But yeah, just uh, <laughs> just an absolute just delight watching that. We also got a sneak peek of a horrible looking SpongeBob spinoff show at halftime. So Nickelodeon, honestly, was the best part of this game. Getting serious for a quick second. Again, it, they only, the Bears only had nine because Jimmy Graham caught a ridiculous one-handed touchdown in the, in literally with zero seconds left in the game. So it really was 21-3 to three the whole game, which it was just a snooze fest. Uh, again, I feel like I've said this like a hundred times. It's hard, for, it's hard to say if this is indicative of what the Saints are going to do in the playoffs or if this was just like the first playoff jitters. They need to play a lot better. But Kurt, here's the thing about the Saints that's different from some of these other teams. They, all recent memory, the Saints have been really, really good at losing in heartbreaking fashion in the playoffs. This game doesn't do anything to kind of quell those fears that I'm sure Saints fans have of, uh, you know, putting those memories to rest. And it's not going to get any better next week with who they're playing next. So 
uh, yeah, they're going to have to figure some shit out. Yeah, and Drew Brees threw two touchdown passes in this game, but it's, I mean, I don't know how I want to say this. It's not, he's not limping to the finish line. It just doesn't look like the Drew Brees that we've seen oh, yeah. for so long. Oh, yeah. Um, so it sets up a date um, with a NFC South foe for the mm. divisional round, and we will talk about that here in a minute. But we do have one more game to get to from the wild card yeah. weekend. Uh, wild card, mm. excuse me, super wild card weekend <laughs> ended with a bang. 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 Like bang, 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 bang. 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 Like it's Mike Breen. Bang. Yeah. Bang. <laughs> double bang. What did he? Oh, yeah, I do. He, I do. He double banged. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyways. Anyways. The Browns banged the Steelers in this one, 48-37. Um, literally, what an amazing game. Before you could finish your first beer, it was 28 nothing Browns. Dude, talk about starts. That was – like, it almost didn't feel real. Like, I know we're going to get into it. I didn't mean to say the Thunder. But, like, no. literally, the first play from the Steelers – the high snap over Ben Roethlisberger's head recovered for a touchdown for the Browns. You can't, you literally can't dream of a better start, especially we talked all week, right? They barely practice. Maybe they practice one time. Their coaches are all out with COVID and they can't play. They're even missing some players because of injuries and COVID, right? What, what, like, what do, more do you want as a Browns fan to just have such a great, like, you know, what's the, um, I think it's turnover luck, but just like, I don't know, the luck in general, like scoring yeah. luck or whatever you want to call it. Just having that fortuitous bounce must have just put them like feeling so good but then Kurt like you said it didn't stop at 7 to nothing no it certainly didn't stop at 7 to nothing it was 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter you take away Stefanski the head coach of the Browns you take away some of their coaches you take away some of their defensive players you take away offensive linemen you had a guy travel from the New York Jets practice squad by car to Cleveland that day introduce himself to Baker Mayfield in the huddle and then go, go and then go try to defend Baker Mayfield all night. Like just some wonky wacky shit that the Browns I I didn't think they were I did not think they were going to be able to overcome all that madness. It's in the pick six I I picked the Steelers only because I thought that they wouldn't be able to overcome Stefanski. I thought Tom wouldn't be able to figure something out with the Steelers. The game was I mean there was three quarters to go, but you're down twenty-eight nothing, and Tom Brady's not on your team, so you're 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 going to lose the game. So the game was pretty much over at the end of the first quarter. the 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 Steelers did make it competitive, uh, the mm-hmm. thirteen points to the zero the Browns did in the third quarter, and then they scored fourteen more in the fourth. Um, but the every time, and don't get me wrong, momentum shifted in the third quarter. Momentum shifted back to the Steelers. They got the game tight, and then every time that happened. The Browns put on their big boy pants and they and they made a play. Baker Mayfield threw for 260 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and that's the key for the Browns. If the Browns turn the ball over, they're going to lose games. But if you play a clean game, you're you're going to be you're going to be fine. Um, ben Roethlisberger. If you look at his stats, okay, you see 47 completions on record, 68 attempts. For 501 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Sheesh. She, I mean, that is just one of the most absurd stats I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I saw on Twitter um, people like, oh, Ben threw for 501 yards. Palmies. He threw 68 times in the game. <laughs> he threw 68 times. That's more than Cam Newton threw in like three, four weeks. Yeah. So, and Kurt, 
unless I'm mistaken, wasn't 47 completions literally an NFL record? Like, I'm pretty sure that was for a single game. It was an NFL record, and people were like, he threw for 501 yards. Well, back in Super Bowl 52, the one that oh, uh, yep. game where the I saw you. I saw you retweet this. Oh, I retweeted it. Tom Brady <laughs> threw for 505 yards, so quick math, that's four more yards than uh, Ben Roethlisberger yep. on 20 less attempts. So Brady only threw 48 attempts. Had significantly less completions and still threw for more yards and didn't have it didn't have an interception so just suck it suck that suck on that one um <laughs> did uh juju's comments come back to bite him yes they did oh, yes. so if you oh, didn't yes. hear or see juju brown's juju brown oh my god juju smith's <laughs> juicer's comments uh before yep. the game leading up to it he said the browns are just still the same browns they're like gray faces name like faceless people it was very yeah, fun, weird. weird uh but they lost and then mm-hmm. chase claypool oh my god the uh the wide receiver from notre dame who was a rookie this year is playing Fortnite or something or doing something queer on tiktok after oh and was like well the browns are gonna get smacked this week bruh stop talking stop talking you just got your asses handed to you by the team that you say are now gonna go, go get their asses handed to them by the chiefs well, at least they have that opportunity, even if that does happen. Okay, you guys started the year eleven and zero, and then went one and five down the stretch, and then one and six technically. If you no one and five, I was right. Um, yeah. But just shut your mouth. I mean, I, I'm very happy. I think the end is like a uh, the end of the Steelers as we know them has kind of come to fruition. Big Ben, I think, is done. But I don't know if you knew this, Bruno. Do you know the salary situation for Ben Roethlisberger next year? Uh, I actually don't, Kurt. What is it? He is like $44 million against the cap next year. So if they Bruh. if they release him, they can save like 22 But no matter what, if they release him, they, they will be paying Big Ben $22 million next year to not play on their team. Oh my fucking God. That's outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. So calories... Am I calories? Drunk? Calories too. When you think of Big Ben, you also think of calories. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say salary cap hell, but it came out calorie sap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I love it. I uh, love Big it. Ben did have a little moment on the end. He was crying on the bench at the end of the game, talking right. to Marquise Pouncey, his center, saying like, "I tried to do this all for you, man." Blah blah blah. Some Steelers fans didn't interpret that the they didn't interpret that well. They thought that that meant like Ben didn't give a shit about the rest of the team. I just thought it was a nice little moment perhaps at the end of Ben's career. Um, but I hate the Steelers, so seeing them lose, I was all about it. Oh, yeah, Kurt. We are not shy about the fact that we're Patriots fans, and as Patriots fans, we hate the Steelers. So not only pumped for the Browns, amazing win for them, long time coming. Congrats to Baker. Congrats to the city of Cleveland. That was incredible. But also, you know, I'm shedding zero tears over the Steelers just looking like buffoons and falling out in the first round. Yeah, so I don't give a shit about uh, again, happy for the Browns like like you mentioned. Don't could literally care less. Actually, and please, I don't have to watch another Steelers game this year. Yep. Yep. Right on. So that sets up the divisional round. Okay? Oh, yeah. So we are down oh, to yeah. 8 teams left. Mm-hmm. 8 teams left in the postseason. Uh, and it all starts Saturday. We're going to go through these games very, very, very quickly. We're going to do yep. it on the pick six, but I want to touch on a couple things. Okay. Yep. It starts Saturday. The six seed Rams at the one seed Green Bay Packers. They go to Lambeau Field, 435 kickoff. Packers are a seven point favorite. Bruno, I don't know about you. I think this game favors heavily in the, fa- in the way of the Packers. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the first of all, 
the it felt like the Rams' defense was the reason why they won um, their game against the Seahawks. And not that that necessarily can't be true, but what that implies is that the offense really didn't do that much. Well, if they're gonna wanna if they're gonna win, their offense is gonna have to do stuff against the Packers because the Packers are unbelievable offensively. And so not only with Malford out, you know, presumably, but Goff, like, you know, again, he had an extra he has one more week now, but he's not even fully healthy. You have to be a little scared if you're the Rams that you just won't be able to keep up offensively with the Packers. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um I feel like do we know what the injury to Aaron Donald was? Do we have we heard about that? Ooh, I think it was ribs. It was something. definitely ribs. I said at the minute I saw the play, I was like he broke his ribs because the uh, Aaron Donald is the meanest man I've ever seen. Like he is oh, yeah. a bad man. He's a big dude. Doesn't I feel like you would have to shoot him almost for him to come off the field. Yeah. So for him to come out of the game uh, told me something was wrong, and I haven't heard yeah. anything. But if he is limited in any capacity, it's going to be almost impossible for the Rams to win this game. I think so. Yeah, I agree. They're going to need him. They're going to need him healthy. You know, it's not great when it's like your quarterback and the best defensive player in the league are not healthy on your team when you're going against the number one seed. That's not. That's not great. Nope, it's not great. Um, what is great is the city of Buffalo gets to host a second playoff game, Bruno. Oh, and that's yeah. what we have later on Saturday night, 8-15 kickoff, number five seed Ravens at the number two seed Buffalo Bills. Like I mentioned, Bills two and a half point favorite, but you typically get three points for being the home team. So if this game was on a neutral site, better to be hedging a little bit towards the Ravens. Um, for me, Bruno, two teams with a lot left to prove. Okay, obviously the the, the Bills have been hyped up this season. The Ravens are kind of playing with house money at this point. They're hot, like we mentioned. But I still, I don't know. My opinion could definitely change as the week goes on. But I feel like Buffalo Buffalo should be in the driver's seat for this one. And if, if they lose the game, I feel like it'll be more on Buffalo than it will be like the Ravens beating them, if that makes sense. No, I completely agree. The Buffalo defense is much, much better than the Titans defense, which is why I'm kind of, you know, if you're a Ravens fan, you have to be a little worried. Also, again, and I, I, I come across as a Ravens hater. It might be just because I am, but I'm going to keep rolling with it. Anyways, the Ravens really hated the Titans. Like, they had lost them in the playoffs last year. They lost them in the regular season this year. There was a lot of beef going on between them, and that got them really fired up for that playoff game. I don't think they have that same level. You know, again, not that they won't get motivated because it is still a playoff game, but they don't have that same level of drive, that, that fire against the Bills. So that's something as well you kind of have to be taken into consideration. So I, I, I completely agree you put it best. I think it... If the Bills don't win, it'll be because of the Bills, not necessarily because of the Ravens. Yeah, I, I hear you on that one. And I'm happy for the people of Buffalo. Like, they got to be in the stadium for the first time last weekend. They'll be back there again this week. There's like 7,000 of them, so it's not a huge crowd by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. But Bruno, I don't know if they were still pumping in noise, but that crowd was loud against the Colts. Yep. Yep. You freaking Bills fans are psychos. <laughs> Bills Mafia, baby. Goddamn psychos. I can't wait for Tom Brady to break your heart. Anyway, oh, no. <laughs> that brings us to Sunday's uh, two-game Sunday. First one. Yep. Those Cleveland Browns who just knocked off our favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're a sixth seed going up against uh, Patty Mahomes and the one-seed Kansas City Chiefs. Games at 305. Chiefs heavy, heavy favorites. Nine and a half is a spread, Bruno. So, Kurt, I, there's a couple things, and I know we're not going to take forever on this, but there, there, the, there's a couple things to go over here. Number one, obviously, you could argue that the Browns got their playoff win. Now, they're like you said, they're playing with house money. There's not that much pressure on them. People are kind of expecting it to be a blowout. On the other hand, there's a couple points for the Chiefs, right? On one hand, you have the fact that, like, 
of their last like eight games, it felt like six of them were like two point games. Like they really did not blow teams out towards the end of the season. And you could argue they didn't really care or, you know, they weren't in the playoff set or whatever, but they really did not look that convincing um, for, you know, the whole game, at least for a lot of the games to end the regular season. But on the other hand, I feel like every single year, right, you have the number one seeds have a bye in the playoffs. And then when they play their first game, people are like, oh, I don't know. The team that we just saw play looks pretty good. But you just forget about the team that's the number one seed for a reason because it's like they didn't play last week. So you kind of just like forget. But they are still the one seed, right? So like part of me is almost like, you know, the Browns playing with house money, team of destiny vibes. Like maybe they can put up a fight. Like maybe it'll be closer than you think. But then the other part of me is like it is still the Chiefs. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of undecided on how I think this game is going to be. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I will, I'll save some of the, the drama for the pick six. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like you mentioned, I, I, we talked about it at length on one of the last podcasts. But the Chiefs just, they're the exact opposite of the Chargers. They know how to win close games. And whether that's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes or, or what, I don't know. But they've found a way to win a lot of close games because all, so many of their games have been one-score games. So the fact that this spread is nine and a half was a, a little bit alarming for me. Um, I'm not going to say who I think is going to win because I don't know who I think is going to win yet, but I, I'm pretty confident the Browns are going to cover. I'll just say that. I think they're going to cover yeah. the nine and a half. Yeah, I agree. And again, like you, if you're if you're if you're a player on the Browns, the fact that you did all of that last week, you almost put up 50 points with no practice and no coaches. That only has to give you confidence heading into a week where you know, assuming I think Savansky's back officially, right? Yep. He's he's able yep. to coach on their stuff, so it only has to give them confidence. Yep, no doubt. And then it leads to this. It leads to the God, my Super Bowl, okay? <laughs> On Sunday night, 640 kickoff. The number five yep. seed, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, go to New Orleans, where the number two seed, three and a half point favorite for the Saints. This is where it all started for Tom Brady, okay? Yep. Tom Brady gets to travel back to the Superdome, where he started his Bucks career. Uh, they lost 34 23 in game one to the Saints. And then just a couple weeks ago, at home in Tampa Bay, they lost. Well, I guess it was like a, a couple months ago, but thirty-eight to three, the Saints. So, Tom Brady is zero and two versus Drew Brees this year. I think he's like one and four in his career against Drew Brees. He travels to the Superdome. Okay, who has more pressure on them in this game, Bruno, Brady, or Brees? Oh man, that is a great question. Do you want me to start? Um, or do you want to, you want to go? I, I, I can go first. Attaboy. Attaboy. I I think it, I think it's Breeze to be honest, and here's why. Number one, Brady has been vocal about playing multiple years, right? So like for him, it uh, unless something crazy happens, it doesn't seem like it's it for him. On the other hand, Breeze, it's been almost all but confirmed that he's going to retire this year, right? Right. So like I think that's uh, that's a factor too. But number two. Brady played unbelievable last week. Like we said, he threw for almost 400 yards with a ton of drops, and he was looking great. Drew Brees did not look that great. And on top of that, he's dealing with the legacy of having heartbreaking losses in the playoffs over and over again, whereas Brady, obviously, the Patriots, his legacy is due for himself, but he doesn't have any of that baggage coming into this game, right? Like, it's not he's been this is first year on the box. So, to me, and again, like, Saints are at home. People are expecting, like, oh, Brees is going to retire. He's going to go with the Super Bowl. Like, it seems like the pressure is on Brees, whereas Brady, because it almost feels like if Brady loses, you can be like, okay, you know, they they won a playoff game in his first year in the system, and you can come back next year and build on that. But Brees, it doesn't feel like it's the same thing. That is spot on exactly what I was going to say. The pressure's on Drew Brees in this game. If Tom Brady loses this game, it's a footnote in the story of his career. Because right. 
he won a playoff game with the Bucks in year one. He brought them into the playoffs for the first time in fucking since Narnia was around. Um, <laughs> shout out Narnia. Shout out Chronicles of Narnia. I uh, <laughs> love that. That's so good. Um, but Drew Brees, we, I talked about it with the Seahawks earlier, right? With the amount of talent that the Seahawks had, I'm like, they only won one Super Bowl. Drew Brees has only won one Super Bowl, too. And he was robbed of a chance in one of them by that unbelievably bad call in the Rams Super Bowl when it should have been Pat's Saints in the Super Bowl 53. Um, that would have been electric. But mm-hmm. the story is like, you know, the, the Minnesota miracle happens. Oh. And they lose last year to the Vikings in the playoffs in at home yeah. in New Orleans. It's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. they just haven't been. A, they're a great regular season team. And they get to the playoffs and something happens. And they didn't look that good against the, the, the Bears this week either. So I do think the pressure's on the Saints. I'm surprised they're favored by three and a half points. I saw that and I was like, sheesh. If I was a betting man, I'm not. I'd put a lot of money on the Bucks to cover the three points. I don't know if I think the Bucks are going to win, but uh, I don't think I think it's going to be. Eh, we'll talk. We'll chat. But right. I think I think it's on. It's on Breeze. Is the pressure here? And I just picture Tom Brady sitting at home in his Derek Jeter mansion in his basement in the <laughs> fitness center, and him just stewing that Joe Breeze has beaten him twice. Tom Brady is the this oh, season. Yeah. Tom Brady is the most competitive son of a bitch I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think – I just can't imagine Tom losing three times in one season to Drew Brees. And I think Brady – I think Brady really respects the hell out of Drew Brees. I really, really, really do. Yeah. Um, but right now in the history books, Bruno, it's Brees and Brady 1-2 for everything. And Brees has some records by himself at one and Brady's right well behind him. It, Like you mentioned, Drew Brees has a broadcasting career waiting for him. He signed a deal for like $8 yep. million. It's done. Okay, so as soon as he wants to walk away, he has a deal. Uh, there was a report this weekend that people close to Drew Brees would be absolutely shocked and something major would have to happen for him to be back playing football next year. So right. it seems like this is the last run. And I know I know Tom Brady respects Drew Brees, but I think Tom Brady would love nothing more than yep. to end Drew Brees' career. Oh, yeah. I, I I could not agree with you anymore. I mean, he's never going to come out and say it. He's always a diplomat. You know, he's not trying to be – he's not trying to be the villain here. Brady isn't trying to be the villain. But I, he wants to just – leave no doubt in people's minds he doesn't want there to be any people people we often say that people forget he does not want a single person to forget who the undisputed goat is and like if he has the chance to just absolutely ruin the no i'm not gonna say ruin his career but ruin the end of his career right now and one of the the few people who are in the game who's even close to brady right now uh absolutely he's gonna be fired up to do that god i I'm gonna be texting Bruno nonstop tonight. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I have to be honest with you. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm more excited for this game than I have been for any Patriots game this season. Like, oh, I'm, regular season? Oh, I thought you, I thought you were about to say something crazy about like Patriots playoff game. No, oh, no, this season, God, oh, 100. No. Like, I'm yeah, way more excited to watch this game than I am any of the, any of the 16 games the Pats played this year. We're about to get into it really quickly, but I have, I mean, the excitement for the Patriots ended after like week 
like four or five. So <laughs> yeah, I a hundred percent. That's not a hot taker. That's pretty spot on. Yeah. It, it, so that was our breakdown of the wild card weekend, and then we 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 teased we a uh, little little tickle of the balls for ooh, ooh for the um the divisional round. But yep. what is a playing the field episode without a little bit of Patriots bro? What is it? Sprinkle it in. Oh, we're gonna sprinkle. A little, sprinkle bit of, it in. a little bit of uh, a sugar, spice, everything nice. Is that what the Powerpuff Girls thing was? Uh, oh, sure. All sorts of references today. I absolutely love that for me. Blossom, Buttercup, and was it Basil? What the fuck was the other one? <laughs> There's no way it was Basil. I re- <laughs> Kurt, I, I'm going to look it up right now, but if it was Basil, I'm going to – I don't even know what – Blossom, I, I Buttercup, don't... and uh, – Bubbles? Bubbles. <laughs> I was going to say, Kurt, there's no way it's Basil. <laughs> that would have been so funny. Uh, but you still, you got two out of three. That's pretty good. You got two out of three. <laughs> Damn it. Bubbles with the blue one, too. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> we got to some Pat's talk. Um, yep. So Bruno and I were trying to think of something to, to do to discuss the Patriots because obviously they're not playing, um, which is tragic. But... Uh, Obviously, there's a lot to look back on on this season, so we're going to do a little bit of an award ceremony, Bruno. We're going to get, we're going to drop some awards, some good, some bad, some you want, some you don't. Um, so, with that being said, we have a list of let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think eight awards to give out, and it's going to start with Team MVP. Bruno, mm-hmm. I'd like you to start. All right. So I this wasn't immediately clear to me. And I, again, because we kind of had a disappointing season, like it's hard to, re- like, it's not like there was one person maybe, I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but I didn't feel like there was necessarily, there's only one right answer to this question. I think you could go a couple ways. I will tell you, Bruno, I will tell you, this was my hardest choice. Right. And I agree. But I mean, as, as much as, Oh, I don't know. It's not really a cop out, but like honestly, kind of with what I settled on, I'm just gonna throw it out there. It might be a surprise, but Jake Bailey, MVP. I'm just gonna throw that out there, and I'll give you my reasoning. I think you could argue some other players, and I'm sure you'll have some that you'll name as well. But just for me, because of the struggles we had this year on offense, it was very clear, right? With Cam not doing much, with uh, you know the running backs, some being injured, some being out. We had flashes, not flashes, with the wide receivers being desolate, Edelman being out for most of the season, with our tight ends being a disaster. All that stuff into play, right? There was many portions of this game, of all of our games, right, where we just were forced to play the field position game. And while that's not always fun, doesn't always get the spotlight, it was something important that we had to do. And not only did Bailey come out and just, like, dominate the game, he made the All-Pro. Like, he wasn't he the first-team All-Pro for punters? That Unbelievable, right? So, like, you don't just do that by accident. Yes, maybe he had more exposure because we were punting more than, like, the Chiefs were. So, like, I will give them that, right? But, like, honestly... Just cons- I was looking for consistency in terms of for the season, and I think you could argue that there were players who shined maybe brighter over flashes or over spurts. Um, but I would just say, if we're talking, you know, I always say consistency is key, that's why I'll never change. I think you can say consistently that Jake Bailey did the like was consistently excellent over the course of the season. So I also had Jake Bailey for a team. MVP. Hey, let's go, but then I deleted it. Oh. Wow, you but me right there. I did. I just, I just really tickled your balls right there. <laughs> um, 
But no, that's a, that's a fantastic pick, and he's my choice number two in the end of this, okay? okay? So we talk about the Patriots, and you just laid it out there so eloquently and so nicely about how pathetic their offense was. This year. <laughs> okay? There was one man that kind of saved the show, and it was Jacoby Myers. Yep. So Jacoby Myers is my team MVP because I was trying to think about, okay, if you took somebody off of the team, if you took somebody off of the team, who would have the biggest impact? Yeah. Like, okay, if you remove Jacoby Myers from the equation of this offense, where he accounted for almost like 33% of the yards by himself, yeah, I figured like it would just be a total train wreck because he was the one of the very few bright spots this year. So I am going Jacoby Myers, team, team MVP, and someone I hope is around on the Patriots for quite some time. Yeah, Kurt, honestly, it came down to those two and not spoiling anything for future picks, but I tried to do it so I didn't have any repeat. You certainly could have. There's nothing wrong with having repeat for some of these. That yeah, we're go I to. did not do but, a repeat. Right. That the Literally, the only reason why I didn't have him for MVP was because I had him in a different category. So I that's Do you only get to that category? Good. Or maybe that's not the right one. Okay, never mind. I think I know which one you did it for. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> you start the next one. Like get, You lay it out there. What's the next award? Okay, so the next award is Offensive Player of the Year, right? That's what we're going with. Um, and so I don't know if this is what you're going for, but you could put Myers for this one. I didn't put Myers for this one just because, again, I had him another one. But, like, you could, right? The one I had for this one was Damian Harris. He came out of nowhere. Well, not came out of nowhere. We drafted him, obviously. But, like, he, there was reports. Uh, you've said it a million times. Beat writers in training camp were going off about how impressive he looked. We don't usually see, you know, it's very rare that we see, I feel like, rookies, especially like on the offensive side. Belichick is notorious for saying ball security, ball security. You have to earn his trust. We don't always see them come in right away and, and absolutely dominate and play well. Yes, he was injured to start the season and to end the season, right? But for the portion that he played, he played incredible. He put up the stats. We needed him, you know, more than maybe we've ever needed a running back this year, considering uh, we've said it many, many times, but the struggles in offense, we needed him to step up, and he absolutely did. And I'm just, you know, all I can say is I'm really looking forward to him being a big part of this offense, along with Jacoby Myers for years to come. Yes, and I 100% could have put Damian Harris here, but I didn't. Um, sometimes it's, uh, first off, yes, correct everything you just said. Uh, Damian Harris obviously missed a couple games with the broken thumb or something at the beginning of the year came in for when Sonny Michelle got hurt and then he never gave the job back up. So I'm excited to see what he does in the future for the Patriots with Sonny Michelle, who looked good at the end of the year. Um, and I think the, the brightest spot of this Patriots roster is that backfield. So it's nice to have Damian Harris there. Mm -hmm. My offensive player of the year. You don't talk about this being too sexy. But oh, this is a sexy man, and it's Michael <laughs> Unwainu. It's Michael. I had him somewhere else, but great pick. It's great Michael Unwainu, the sixth round pick from where was he from? Wake Forest, I believe. No, Heron was Wake Forest. Michigan? He was Michigan. Yeah, Michael Unwainu was Michigan. Justin Heron was Wake Forest. Um, yep. But in the NFL, you talk about a clean sheet for the offensive line. So no sacks, mm -hmm. no hurries, no pressures, no anything like that. The Patriots played in 16 games, and typically on a – let's just put it this way. Joe Tooney, who's been like pretty much the Patriots' best lineman, had the yep. most ever last year with seven for the Patriots since they've been doing that. They've been mm -hmm. kind of keeping that clean sheet, shat, clean sheet stat. Say that 10 mm -hmm. times fast. Mm -hmm. um, and this season, Michael Wainu had seven by himself in his rookie year as a six-round pick. Uh, Tooney ended up having eight, so he broke his own record. Right. 
But Michael and Wayne knew. I mean, you talk about finding a diamond in the rough. Billy B, you found a diamond in the rough. So Michael and Wayne knew my offensive player of the year. Pancakes for everybody. You get a pancake. You get a pancake. I get a pancake. (laughs) Bruno gets a pancake. Uh, And Michael Michael and Wayne is supplying them. So he's my offensive player in the year. And he's another one I'd like to keep around for a very long time. Agreed. 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 Kurt, you want to you start this time for defensive player of the year? So this brings us to defensive player of the year. Um, my award, I'm going to get right to it. It's JC Jackson. The man had nine interceptions. Um, I was really trying to think of who else I thought it could be. You could give it to Stefan Gilmore again because his stats were banana land. You could have gave it to Chase Winovich, but I don't. I don't know. He kind of faded a little bit in the middle of the season. So I was like, who is the guy who's been there the entire season balling out? And it was JC Jackson. So nine interceptions, a Pro Bowl snub. Uh, JC Jackson is a defensive player of the year in my book. Yeah, Kurt, let's not complicate things. It's J.C. Jackson. I had the same thing as you. I also had the same thought process as you. The only other person I would have given it to is Stephon Gilmore. A lot of people, as we've said many, many times, have incorrectly just labeled him as being a disappointment this year or not being good this year. Yes, he what maybe didn't have the same stats he had as all for last year. Doesn't mean he wasn't good this year. People saw like one catch from someone and were like, oh, yeah, he sucks this year. He played out of his mind. Yeah. And we also saw that a couple times he was out or, you know, in the middle of the season, he missed a game or two. And then obviously at the end, but JC Jackson obviously didn't look like his usual self in those games when Gilmore wasn't there. So I'm sure JC Jackson benefited from having Gilmore there. But at the end of the day, like you said, nine interceptions, kind of pissed it wasn't 10, still going to take nine. He absolutely balled out. Easy, easy pick for us for defensive player of the year. Yep. For most improved, Kurt, because that's next. This is where I had Jacoby Myers. And again, you could you could have put him as MVP. You could have put him as offensive player of the year. I just put, personally put him as most improved because he was on our team last year, right? And we had heard the stories about maybe how in practice he had been playing well. He seemingly had something going with Brady. We saw the flashes. You know, we had heard like, you know, maybe last year that there were there was potential there, but we didn't really see it a lot. It could have been just, I, I don't know if it was like he had some drops here or there, and then Bill was just like, we're not going to do this right now. I don't necessarily know what the full story was, but boy, did he make, he put in work over the offseason, and did he make the absolute most of his opportunity this year, absolutely balling out, multiple games with 100 receiving yards, literally, and the most important, and the most uh, impressive part of this for me was that after week, whatever, Edelman has been out since like week two or three, right? So basically the majority of the season, he was our number one receiver, meaning that for defenses and, you know, again, our offense was kind of a joke. So the defenses didn't really have to go too crazy, but still, if they were game planning, they could put their best options on covering Myers and he still put up the numbers that he did. So for me, that it was, that was my choice for most improved. He just, you know, he, he really, he really balled this season. Yeah. I had him there originally before I moved, moved him to team MVP. I ultimately slid in Damian Harris here for most improved. It's a little bit unfair to put him here, but he deserved an award of some sort. Um, Oh yeah. Belichick didn't play him last year. I know he doesn't like to do that with running backs. He kind of lets them sit for a year and learn the system, learn, make sure they're good at pass blocking, which is so important in the NFL. Um, But um, Damian Harris, to me, most improved. I had high expectations, and he far far exceeded them. Um, Mm -hmm. So Damian Harris, most improved for me because we literally just didn't see him last year. That brings us to the biggest surprise Mm -hmm. of the 2020 Patriots. Uh, Would you like me to start? Yeah, you start. All right. So, well, if we flash back a couple months, we'll we'll revisit Kurt sitting on his couch in Granby, Connecticut, stewing that Bill Belichick took a safety, a Division II safety from Lenore Rye College yep. as his first pick of this season. 
and he picks some guy named Kyle Duggar. <laughs> well, dude, Duggar can play. And he's, <laughs> he was my biggest surprise. Kyle Duggar went from, you know, getting some snaps early on in the season to he played 100% of the snaps at the end of the year. So Kyle Duggar gained the trust of the coaching staff. He learned quickly the dude is a heat-seeking missile. He lays the wood. He almost mm-hmm. plays that like Patrick Chung type role, kind of comes down to the box as a, as a linebacker uh, sometimes. But Kyle Duggar, so impressed with him. Belichick absolutely hit a home run with him. I do want to give a runner up in this one because it was close for me, and it's the same position. It's safety. It's Adrian Phillips. Patriots mm-hmm. picked him up in free agency this year. He was so important to this team, especially they had no linebackers, like literally negative linebackers at the end yeah. of the year. <laughs> and they put Adrian Phillips there. He did a great job. Fantastic free agent signing from Bill Belichick. Adrian Phillips was great as well. Yeah, Kurt. Um, I those are both good choices. Duggar was my number two, um, but my biggest surprise was someone you already named, and I don't need to go into the reason. But Michael Owenio, just because again, like the only thing that separated him from Duggar to me was just the fact that at least Duggar was was he our first round or second round? He was the he was early first round pick in the second round. First pick in the second round, right? And I remember people at the time saying that might be a reach, but they still thought he might be good. They just might thought it'd be too early. Whatever the case would be, the only thing that separates them from me was just the fact that Owen was like a six round pick. Like I, I don't, I, I, there's so many picks that the Patriots do every year where it's like either an offensive lineman or a guard or whatever at the end of the draft, and I just like I don't even pay any attention to them. I'm just like throw it out, whatever. And just the fact to me that, like you said, he was graded unbelievably high basically all season long, played out of his mind. Diamond in the rough. To me, that was the biggest surprise. So again, I I agree with putting him as uh you had him. I forget. Which I had him offensive player, player, player of the year. Right, right. And that you could have put him there yeah. too. I just the way it was, it, the players were sorting to me. I just had him. I slotted him in for biggest surprise. Moving on to biggest bust. Um, I was gonna give this to two players, but one of them caught his first touchdown in like the last game of the year. Devin Osiyasi. You six son of a so. bitch. I did the same <laughs> thing. I had two. Osiyasi and yeah. Keen. Yeah, exactly. So we can kind of do this one together. But just I remember when we drafted those two tight ends, everyone obviously knew that Gronk went to the Bucks, and everyone obviously knew that our tight ends were um what's your I forget the one you took a tequila shot with. What's Ryan is a shout out to Ryan is a, yeah. Cider Barrel Heights or Cider, Cider Barrel Way. We took a tequila shot together. We took two together. Right. Yeah. And so no disrespect to him, but like no offense, he's just not a, like he's just not even close to enough from what we needed, especially we've been over a million times how much our offense, at least in the past, were led at tight ends. So I think you and I were both excited. That we drafted two, we were kind of you know we don't need to name the former two tight end set that we had previously in past years that we like wanted to return to from a football perspective. But we were both excited at least to like get a glimpse of it this year. How about Cam Newton this year? And then they did basically nothing. Like you said it already earlier this episode, where like uh, the Colts tight ends in the playoffs game had more production than our tight ends did all year. But like there was injuries, there was COVID, there was they weren't practicing well, there was whatever. And at least Asiasi came in at the end of the season and did something. But Dalton Keene, like again, basically both, but especially Dalton Keene for the most part, just busts in my eyes. Yeah, they were both terrible. Like there's no other way to put it. They were both <laughs> god awful. Um, everyone said Asiasi showed a lot of signs in practice. And I know it's really hard for tight ends to have production. I, I sound like a broken record, but especially with their rookie, I mean, like to have production as a rookie, but you saw rookie tight ends go out there and do something. Like I think back to TJ Hawkinson when he was such a high draft pick and he was a first round pick for the Lions. He didn't do shit his first year. And then he ended up, he picked it up and he was fantastic this year. It's like year three for him. So I understand there's a little bit of a learning curve, but I look think about <clears throat> Adam Trotman in 
New Orleans for the Saints where he's caught a couple uh, touchdowns this year. He's involved in their passing game. And I'm like, God damn it, Bill. Uh, I'm fine with Aussie Aussie. Dalton Keene, man, you can't convince me that he's that he's it. You can't convince me you traded up for Dalton Keene. Um, yeah. So they were my biggest bust. I think it would have been easy to put Cam Newton here. But I, again, I don't think Cam Newton. Cam Newton is not fantastic, but he also was, I think, uh, his play was represented also by who he was surrounded by. So that's why I did not put Cam as biggest bust. Right. Exactly. Right there with you. So that brings us to the last two, starting with mm-hmm. the best game of the season, Bruno. Okay. I'm going to mm-hmm. go to you first on this one. All right. So to be honest, Kurt, not a whole lot to choose from. I'm just, I'm not going to shock everyone, but there just simply wasn't a whole lot to choose from. It came down to two. And I kind of went with my gut here and I'm just taking the Chargers game 45 to nothing. It's not like, you know, it's not going to come as a shock to people, but there were very few games this year where it was just pure fun from start to finish for a Patriots game. There wasn't a lot of fun in Patriots games, even in some of the wins that we had, they weren't particularly fun, right? Maybe you could argue, and I don't want to spoil it, but there were some maybe other wins. Maybe that's where you were going that were like against teams that we, you know, that were better or that we hated more or whatever. And you could certainly make that case and I won't deny it. But I just look at that 45 nothing game. Our texts were just like all caps. Ha 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 ha. This is incredible. It just won't stop. It felt like the, we were just talking about the Browns. Like it felt kind of reminiscent to that where they just like were pouring it on. Like, I, again, like I know a lot of that was special teams and defense. So maybe the offense didn't play great, but just for the most part, that was just the most fun game all season long. Absolutely dominant. I mean, 45 to nothing is a ridiculous score. So for me, in a season where it was hard to find fun in a lot of the games, that was the most fun game for me. Yeah. Like you mentioned, there weren't a ton of games to choose from. However, I still had a really hard time choosing. You could think their best win in the season was that the Miami game, was it the Baltimore game? Um, if you want to look at it that way, what the most fun was it the Chargers game? Was it the last game against the Jets? So those are like the four I was looking at. But ultimately, mm-hmm. the best game of the season was the one that I thought they had zero chance in, and it was the Ravens game. And they ultimately yeah, ended up right. beating the Ravens, and they yep. they sucker punched me by making me believe that they could actually pull things off. <laughs> ultimately, we saw that they could not. Yeah, but I. They got me to believe for a second. So um, that was a really impressive win. The Ravens got so hot after they've won six or seven in a row now. So they're a good team. Um, and the Patriots proved that they could hang with the big dogs. It's just unfortunate that, that that's a good segue into the lead, the worst game of the season. Oh, there are, you could literally pick almost <laughs> any of the nine. Any of the nine. Too many to choose from. <laughs> so ultimately. The way I was looking at this, I was like, do I want to pick the San Francisco game where they got their doors blown off? Or maybe it's the Broncos game. Who, I, Whatever. I ultimately went with the Rams game. Mm-hmm. And I went with the Rams game because it was on national television. The Patriots yep. had just blown out the Chargers, like you mentioned. They were 6-6. Six and six. Yes. Something like that, I believe. And everyone's like, the path, yeah, the, path the path, the path, the path. Well, the path right. didn't come to a close on that night, but it, it it became a crack. It became a crack. Um, and the Rams really just proved to the Patriots, like you're not, you're not a competent football team in 2020. And uh, that game really set the Patriots back. And then they went on a little bit of a losing streak. So um, not a great one. And that's my, le- that's my worst game of the 2020 season. Yeah, Kurt, that's a fine choice. That ended up being my number two. I went back and forth with this and the other game that I was thinking over and over, and I was like, oh, God, these are both terrible. So, like, that is is definitely a solid choice. But the game I went with was the Texans game, 27-20 to loss to the Patriots. 
And like we had just come off of like that weird first win against the Jets where we needed overtime until we were like, oh, how good is our team? Then we come off of beating the Ravens. And so it's like, all right, we got all this confidence. And then we go up against the Texans, a team that not only have the Patriots handled, I feel like year after year after year, no matter how good or bad the Patriots are or how bad the Texans are, it felt like when basically almost 100% of the time, there have been a few Texans wins here and there, but almost 100% of the time, we know who we are and we know who they are and we always win. And just the fact that the Texans, again, like even after they beat us, they went on just to have a humongously disappointing rest of the season and it has continued into the offseason. The latest rumors are that Deshaun Watson wants out. It is an, they're an absolute mess. They just signed uh, our boy Nick Casario to be their GM, but I don't think he's going to be able to fix it because at this point it's just, it's all falling apart for them. But just the fact that we ended up losing that game, kind of pathetic. Our defense got absolutely torched. That was just disgusting to watch, not taking anything away from Deshaun Watson because obviously he's very good, but just the fact that our defense absolutely fell apart. And it's not like the Texans defense was that crazy. And we could only put 20, like we scored 23 in a monsoon against the Ravens and we only put up 20 against the Texans. Like that game just really just kind of broke me. And yes, we did have a couple great wins after that point, right? We went on to beat the Cardinals, Cardinals and the Chargers. But if we had just won that Texans game, that would have changed. You talk about the path starting with the Rams, right? That would have given us just a huge cushion yep. the rest of the way. Obviously, you know, if the results had played out, I don't know if it would have mattered. But just the fact that we lost that Texans game, just that one stuck with me. And I, I never quite got over that for the rest of the season. You literally can make an argument for any of the nine losses. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you you can. Like, I thought you were going to say the Buffalo game on the road where Cam fumbled. That's what I thought you were going to say. That was my third. That honestly, that's kind of where I started. Okay, the first one I and then I was like, "Oh, the the Bills blowing your doors off on Monday Night Football." That's embarrassing. That could be up there. So I'm just, it's not good when I had the most choices for the worst game. Oh yeah, Kurt, this was really hard. And like you said, just to reiterate, right? The Broncos, eighteen to twelve game. That was literally disgusting. The fact that we lost but on six field goals was the most, most gross thing we ever did. And then we followed that up by losing 33-6 to the 49ers. Like, yikes. There was just so many games this year where it was like gross. The gross, Chiefs gross, game gross, where gross. Hoyer and Stidham sucked. It's like, my God. Yeah, you can literally <laughs> pick any of them. Um, but Bruno, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, more fun than I had all Patriots season. So, oh, yeah. Bruno, uh, we have the pick six coming up this week. We'll probably do it again on Saturday. We haven't talked about that, but before the games. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay, t- catch us for that one, uh, on Saturday morning. And, um, yeah, Bruno, that was a good, that was a good pod. Yeah, that was a good pod. Honestly, uh, I, you and I had talked a little bit beforehand about how, just wanting to make sure we got the, gave the people their money's worth because there wasn't the full slate of games. And honestly, we, uh, we're at about an hour 13, going to end around an hour 15. That's some, that can be longer than our usual episode. So we did, we did good. Congrats to Oscar. We this is good. like our sweet spot. We're right around an hour 10 ish, hour 12. So we're at our sweet yeah. spot. But Bruno, yeah, so credit, uh, get us out of here. All right. Well, like Kurt said, we're going to, we're going to iron out the timing, but take a look for us on Instagram on Saturday when we were doing our pick six. That's really pick four because there's only four games, right? So uh, shout out. Um, we'll be up in the stakes even more as we go. I think Kurt had one game better record than me last week so i really just somehow i have to hope for an absolute miracle to have any chance of catching them but we'll figure that out later um thanks for tuning in um and we will see you on saturday soon and then we will also see you next week on the next time on the next edition on the next uh little uh podcast drop of your favorite playing the field of your next little uh thing that you like to listen to that comes out uh tuesday nights or wednesday mornings however you want to look at it because time is a social construct we will see you next time on Playing the field. That gave me a headache. <laughs> gave myself a headache. <laughs>